Hello, and welcome to the Dear Spirits Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, so today was a weird day. And after you listen to this, you might just be like, what is happening to this podcast? And the answer is, I don't know. But my weird story to start us off, because you have to have an off the cuff. Well, today I walked into this nail salon, um, and I asked to get my eyebrows done. So I walk in, I'm standing there, there's this woman, and in front of her on her nail station, she's got two five-pound weights, and then her phone propped up, and she's listening to some video in Chinese. I don't know what the video is, it's some YouTube video. So I come in, very nicely, respectfully, I'm like, hi, can I get my eyebrows done? So she looks straight at me, and is like, yes. And then she proceeds to start working out. So she's like doing these lunges and these like half jumping jacks where like you touch your foot to your arm, like you extend them out and touch them. And I'm just standing there still with my eyebrows not done. Looking at this, really confused. She doesn't say like, give me a second. I got to do my little workout thing. No. So I'm standing there. Wishing I could videotape it, because why not? And this just goes on for about 30 seconds. And then this random other lady comes out of nowhere. And she's talking on her phone, like, the whole time. And then she does my eyebrows while on the phone. And it was just really weird. Like, really weird. So, I felt the urge to share that with you guys. I don't know why. Maybe you'll think it's funny. Maybe you'll think it's stupid. Please continue to listen. There's some Bible stuff coming. Okay. Anyway, my life is very strange. So today's passage is about standing firm. So what does it mean to stand firm? And where in the Bible can we look at places um, of evidence of people who stood firm for Christ? So today, we're going to kind of go over the story of the parting of the Red Sea, but we're going to highlight some stuff that you might not have heard in the VeggieTales version, okay? Or even the DreamWorks movie, which was still so good, The Prince of Egypt. So today, I'm going over um, Exodus 14, verse 13. So let's, let's do some backstory here. So the Israelites, they've been living in Egypt for a real long time. Um, there's many of them. Uh, hundreds of thousands of them, and they have been forced into slavery. Now, that is, that's not good. They're the people of God. They're they're literally slaves to these Egyptians. Um, they are out of their land. They're out of Israel. They're out of Canaan, and they're living in Egypt right now, and they're being enslaved. And so God does some really cool stuff. So he picks a leader who is an Israelite who had been adopted into um, a, Egyptian royalty, so he was actually adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter. So he's kind of like the Pharaoh's grandson, adopted grandson. And God has chosen him to be the leader. And you, you look at, okay, well, why did God choose him? Well, many things. And God had his backstory going all the way from, from his birth, really. Um, but I'll let you guys kind of do your homework on that. Um, and then God calls him by the burning bush after he's in trouble. And we look at, well, why did God choose this guy in particular? Well, for a few reasons. One, he had the ability to walk through certain doors. So if he had just been a regular Joe, yes, God can do anything. So he could have gotten past and entered into the palace. But God knew in particular 
to get this person and get the nation of Israel into the palace to ask to leave, um, God had to choose a very particular person, somebody who had been born and raised into the Egyptian culture and in the royal Egyptian household. So God chooses Moses. He speaks to him through a burning bush. Now, not many of us are spoken to by burning bushes anymore. Um, but what the point is, it's not really so much the bush, but it's more that God spoke to him in a very direct way. And God spoke to him in a very direct way to act in obedience, even though he himself asked God, why? Why would you choose me of all people? Because Moses had a stutter. And that stutter he felt would hold him back from being able to really articulate and speak well to the most powerful people in the entire world at this point, in, the, in this ancient world. And God said, I chose you, and I know what I did, and I didn't make a mistake. And so that's very key for what we're going to move forward into. So there's all these plagues, all these different things. Long story short, Moses um, is started, he's leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt. He, you know, let my people go kind of thing. God uses him. He's brave. He's obedient, stands up to it all. But they're leaving Egypt. So it's, it's very interesting to see what God is doing in all of this. So I'm going to start on verse 10 in chapter 14 and then move forward. So as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. There were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was this because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? So God actually hardened Pharaoh's heart. God has the ability to work in hearts. We need to not forget that. And so Pharaoh was very angry. And, and you might wonder, well, why in the world, if the nation of Israel, they're gone, they're done with Egypt, they're walking away. So why would God entice Pharaoh to get super angry to run after them? Because God made the stakes higher. He wanted the, land, the people of Israel to see that there was no other way this could be accomplished but by God. And that is very key. They literally say to Moses, did you bring us out here? Did God bring us out here? Because there's more room to bury us all. They, they had given up. They were like, all right, God has forgotten about us, and this was one giant joke. And so how often do we say that? How often do we think that God is being cruel and has forgotten us and is just mocking us? And perhaps he brought us to this place where after we had been so obedient and we had listened and we had done everything he said to do, that we're standing at this impossible place because the Israelites, they have Pharaoh and his army after them. And to make things worse, they come to the Red Sea. And so they're literally standing there at the banks of the Red Sea. And so they have two options. In the natural, in the natural, in the visible point of their view right now, they have two options. They're either going to drown by trying to get into the Red Sea and dying because they probably can't swim across it. Or Pharaoh's army is going to slaughter them. And they think that's, those are our options. Cool. Thanks, God. And so it's very important to look at what happens next. 
So in verse 13, Moses answers the people. Now remember, Moses is the spokesperson for the people, but also the spokesperson for God. So he's the bridge there. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. So let's look at this. Moses doesn't freak out. How often is our first reaction when something goes wrong to go and freak out? We look at the situation. We don't see a way out. We don't see any way out. We're either going to drown or get slaughtered, right? Our options are death or death. Yay. But Moses, and he sees that, but he doesn't even know what God's going to do. He just knows God's going to come through for him. And so he stands there and he says, you know what? We're just going to sit still. And we're going to sit here in God's presence. And we're going to let God fight our battles. And we're going to let God win. And we're going to let God get the glory here today. Because he's going to deliver us. So Moses stood firm in faith that God would deliver them. And I think sometimes where that can relate to us is when we are facing an impossible situation. When God has promised us that he's going to come through for us. And we're standing there right there in that impossible situation, unsure of what is next, what is to come, what we're possibly going to do. What do we do? Do we run around and freak out? Do we have a crying meltdown in our car? I've had that a few times, quite a few times. (laughs) Do we just run away, start a new life? Or do we just sit still in the presence of God and listen? And that is what Moses did. He stood still in the presence of God. And he said, God will fight our battle. So what happens next? They're standing still. God tells Moses in verse 16 to raise your hand. Raise your hand and see what I'm about to do. So Moses obeys one more time. And as he raises his hand, the waters begin to part. Completely part. So there are two walls of water and totally dry land. They're not even walking in mud, guys. And in verse 21, they all walk through on this dry land to the other side. But God doesn't start there. Mm -mm. God doesn't leave one stone unturned. In verse 23, we're told that God then closes the water. But where does he close the water? Onto Pharaoh's army. So not only did God provide a way for them to get to the other side, he destroyed the enemy in the midst of it. And so we need to look at that. We need to look at what it means to stand firm in our faith, to fearlessly, even if we are scared, because I'm sure Moses was scared, but to sit and stand firm in the promise of God, to be still, and to believe that he will bring that deliverance. And when he does, know that he's got every single ounce and piece of it figured out. Isn't that a beautiful thing to think about? And it's easier said than done. Because we can look at this and be like, well, yeah, that worked with the Israelites, but not my situation. Not my job situation. Not my relationship situation. Not this situation. But God will do it again. He's the same God today as he's He's always been. He's never changing. And Hebrews 13 talks about that, as does 1 Samuel 15. He's a God who does not lie, who does not change his mind. His character is ever enduring. And Solomon says in um, Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun. 
So the things that are going on today are still going on. They're just it's the same thing. It's just a different day, right? And so if we look at this story, the Israelites had no idea what God was going to do. I mean, we look at it now and we're like, oh, yeah, God parted the Red Sea. Okay, cool. But they didn't know. They had no earthly idea that's what God was going to do. They had to rely that God would do what was best for them, even if they didn't understand. And so I really want to encourage anybody who's standing at the banks of the Red Sea today in their own life, even if you don't see it, God's going to make a way for you. And he's going to come through and be faithful. And another way God does this again later. And I want to discuss that because sometimes we don't see it coming. Now, with the Red Sea, it was kind of an instantaneous, like, boop. And, well, it probably didn't go boop. But (laughs) the sea just split in half. But God does this later. And this is another way to see that God, his character never changes. That he is ever faithful and that he continues to do these things. And how amazing that is. And so it's in the story of Joshua 3 and 4 where God is leading the Israelites once again. And they have come to the Jordan River. Now, they're in the Jordan River, or they're right near the Jordan River, and they're told, you know, they they see this, they need to pass to get into the land because it's been 40 years. It's been a long time. They've been waiting to enter into the land of Israel. There's all this stuff that goes on, and they're not allowed to go in. And you can read that. And then, but anyway, we're at the point where it's time for them to go in. And most of them had grown up hearing the story of the Red Sea and how all that went if they didn't see it themselves. But here they are. They're standing. And the Jordan's at flood stage. So what's interesting is, so I have a study Bible. And so it was saying in Joshua 3.15 that actually this time of year was when the Jordan River was at the highest point it would be. So everything was totally flooded. So God's just making it harder, right? God's making impossible stakes. And so what does God ask them to do? Well, in verse 17, he says, stand firm. I want you to stand carrying the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to go stand in the Jordan. And so in obedience, they walk out there carrying this giant Ark and they're standing firm as firm as they can. Now they don't see anything just yet. But what's cool is upstream, upstream there's this town, it's um, actually, it's up by the point by this town called Adam, I don't think it's still the name of the town now, but the water up there at the beginning starts to dam, and then it begins, so it begins to stop, and stop flowing downstream, and then it starts to split, and split again, but they had to wait, they had to wait and see God come through. But they stood firm. They were obedient. And so even when they didn't see the change coming, even when they had no idea what God was going to do, even when they just didn't know and they couldn't see anything and everything they could see with their natural eyes was a flood stage river, all these people in this giant ark, and God telling them to stand. They stood. And they stood firm. And so God comes and he splits the water again. And they walked across on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel passed through the whole nation, all on dry ground, no mud, flood stage water. So cool. And so we move forward into Joshua 4. And what's neat is um, something they do with legacy here. So they actually, God says, okay, I came through for you. 
You guys are good. Um, but there's one more thing I want you to do. I want you to create a, a memorial of this. And so he asked them to take 12 stones, one for each tribe of Israel, and to make basically this, this monument. Um, and they take them from the Jordan River at that. And so put them over to the camp. And so when their kids one day and their grandkids and their kids and every generation that come would look at those and they'd be like, Grandpa, what's that? Then that story could be told again and again of how God came through and how God was faithful. And so that's important for us because that's a legacy. And I've been thinking a lot about legacy and just how the things that we're doing now, things I'm doing now, even, you know, I'm still in my 20s, late 20s, but still, um, they matter. And they will impact my kids and my grandkids, depending on, on how my faith is with God, how my relationship with God is, because I'm going to carry that forth. And so standing firm creates a legacy. And so they had this memorial for, for God, which is really cool. And I think we need to do that. We need to tell our stories and our testimonies. We need to not just keep them to ourselves, but share with others and share with our kids one day and share with those younger than us struggling. Share with our friends who are struggling. Share with anybody that we know needs God and needs to know that he is faithful and stand on those stones, you know? Um, and then for a New Testament, bring in, it says in Romans 14, 14, 4, he says, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. And I love that because we realize our strength comes from God. And so when we invite him in and we say, God, I am not strong enough to stand this. My anxiety is off the charts. I am nervous wreck about everything. But I see you want me to stand. And so could you help me stand? Because I can't do it on my own ability. And you invite him in. And you ask him to help you stand. And you ask him to help you have that kind of faith. Because if we could save ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. But we can't save ourselves. And we can't muster up our own faith. We need to ask and invite him in to help us. And so I love that. And so... How can we stand firm in modern times? We can stand firm in our faith. We can believe that the promises of God are true. And we can believe the things he has called us to do, even if they don't make sense at times, are part of his story in our lives. We can listen. We can be obedient. And we can wait. And we can wait and stand firm and wait for the river to come downstream so we can see the fulfillment. We can be obedient and standing firm, even when we don't see anything happening, even when it's just crickets. We can um, be still and watch and absorb, absorb all the things going on around us and really see what God's trying to teach us in our seasons of waiting. Um, I talked about in my book, Active Waiting and kind of the concept of that and what that looks like. And um, it's more fleshed out in there. But I talk about how in cycle bar, that's like soul cycle, there's this thing called active recovery. And it's where you recover, but you're continuing to pedal on, you're continuing to bike, and you don't stop. And so in the same way, when God asks us to wait, we can actively be waiting. That doesn't mean we're running in place. But we're looking to do what we can during that season. We're looking to make the most of every single thing we can during that season. And that's really cool. 
Because when we're in a season of waiting, we'll just sit and twiddle our thumbs and be like, okay, I'm going to chill in this waiting room. No, we can do the most that we can possibly do while we're waiting. I, I see it as, you know, we're in a waiting room, paint the walls, make them beautiful. Fill them up. Do as much as you possibly can in that waiting room until God calls you out of that waiting room until you are ready to go into that next room. And that next room is a stage. And that stage is where you get to talk. You get to share your story. You get to share with others what God did while you were waiting in the waiting room. And everything you did in the waiting room will be revealed and shown. And that is a beautiful hope to see. You can watch to see the fulfillment that God will bring. So I just want to encourage you all today to stand firm. Stand firm on the promise of God. Stand firm in his capability to fulfill. Stand firm in his character that doesn't change. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the people listening to this podcast. Thank you that you are never changing and that you are ever enduring. Lord, help us and equip us to be able to stand firm. Stand firm in your truth. Stand firm in your love. Lord, please give us eyes to see things through your lens so that we may walk them out appropriately. Give us ears to hear you so clearly and so vibrantly. And give us strength and hope and faith. Please give us legs to walk firmly in each step into what you have called us to do and be. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Um, Again, I say this every week, but you guys should do it more. I welcome feedback. Um, Tell me what God's doing in your life. Tell me how he's changing things around. Um, Share ideas and let's create a community um, for this podcast. Um, Also welcoming podcast ideas to do. Um, As always, got a few cool ones up around the bend. But um, yeah, please share them. Thank you and bye.